Are extra batteries to throw at people? All right, cool. I'd look out if I were out there. <clears throat> Hi, Steve. <laughs> uh, well, good morning. My name is Nate Wheeler, and I have the privilege of bringing the message this morning. And I am excited. I love the Word of God, and I love the truth that's found in it. And then I love sharing it with you. Um, it's a great pleasure. We're continuing our series, Given, and in the sense that God has given all of us a calling. So today's message is titled, Calling. Um, and I love callings. I love everything about a personal calling, and I love to share with them. And a lot of you would say, I don't know my calling, and I would say, I, I actually think you do, but I think that it's clouded by the media in the world around us. We have Facebook and the news and all these TV shows and fake news that teaches us what we're supposed to be. It tells us this is the way you should be, this is your calling, this is what you should do. And it's not the reality that God wants to paint today. It's not the reality that he wants us to walk in. And we have to stop listening to the wrong thing. But I really do love callings, and there's two types of callings that I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you about your calling, your macro calling for your entire life, your, your whole life. This will be part of what you do. It's everything that encompasses you. And then I want to talk to you about a micro calling, which is a point in time where God says, I want you to go do this for this period of time. And there's two different types of callings. Macro callings, you'll walk in and you'll live in your whole life, and the micro calling is normally... Not a fun calling to walk in, actually. But it is designed for you to accomplish, and we must yield to the Father and do what He calls us to do. So I'm going to try and plow right through these. And don't take my speed as a lack of uh, energy, because I am super excited about today's message. So Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5 says this, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. See, God was engaged with you before you were you. He knew you and was there at the beginning and he had a purpose for you then that he will continue to have for you as you move forward in life. If you also go to Psalms 139, 13 through 16, it says this, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. The days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, God knew and had a purpose for you. Well, your mom were, well, momming and dadding, God was upstairs knitting you together and forming your very DNA. And the cool thing about DNA is this, is that before we had science, the psalmist uses the word, I knit you together. And if you look at DNA, when DNA originates, it looks like someone is knitting it together. What a cool coincidence, if you will, to know that you were knit together in your mother's womb. At that point, God was knitting who you are into your DNA. You were created special, and as he was creating you, he was thinking, 
These are the things I have for this person to accomplish. These are the areas I'm going to use them in. These are the colors and flavors that they're going to be. He designed you with purpose. He designed you and made you exactly the way. (coughs) Excuse me, that water was bony. Uh, He designed you exactly the way he wanted you to be. He made you that way. Romans 4 uh, Romans 12, 4 through 8 says it this way. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, each member belonging to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is service, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If to show mercy, show it cheerfully. You were designed and your calling is significant and important to you. I'm not Steve and I'm not Jonathan and I'm not my father. I am me and I was created to be me. I was created with my DNA for my purpose to accomplish the things God has for me to accomplish. And we often get clouded, and we often don't think that way. Growing up, I am not an academic person at all, but my brother is one of the smartest people I know. I mean, you, he would read the encyclopedia for fun. And I'm not talking like, oh, over a month. No, he'd go to bed with the encyclopedia, and in the course of a couple hours, he's read the whole thing. I don't know how he did that. And it would make me angry because as a kid, I wanted to be academical. I thought that that's what I needed. I needed his brains. I needed his smarts to succeed. But as an adult, I finally come to realize I don't want to be him because if I were him, I wouldn't be up here speaking to you because he is a genius, but public speaker, he is not. Um, And if he's watching, I'm sorry. Not really. Not really at all, actually. It's just the way it is. But I was created differently than him. I was created with purpose that was different from his, and my DNA is different. I'm not academical, but you can, I can build anything you can put in front of me. I can speak in public, and he can't. The batteries are chasing me. There are things that God created me to do that were only created for me to do, that I'm the only one that can do them. Now, how many of you would say, I know what my calling is from God. I know what God created me to do. Yeah, not many of us. We kind of get clouded. How many would say, I have no idea what God created me to do? I don't know. Yeah. How many of you would be willing to come up here if I told you I can ask you a few questions and tell you exactly what you're supposed to do? Jason, come on up here, buddy. I love Jason. Jason's awesome. He's my contractor, bro. He understands me. You hit your hand with a hammer and you just know... You, yeah, yep. Jason, so your name's Jason, right? I'm Nate. We, we know each other for that extent of purposes. Could have skipped over that note. You know, wouldn't have helped anybody. Uh, <clears throat> what's your favorite thing to do on your day off? Well, uh, now, relax. Ooh, I, li- I like relaxing. Honestly, being able to just relax and have a day is kind of nice. Relaxing is awesome. Where's your favorite place to go visit? Like a place that Sarah and I go to every summer up north in Lincoln. Nice. I really, really enjoy it. Lincoln's awesome. Yep. What's it? I love that. 
North Woodstock area is more my speed, a little slower. But, you know, uh, favorite ice cream? Chocolate chip cookie dough. We are friends. We are friends. <laughs> Jason, I'm going to tell you exactly what you were made to be. You were made to be Jason, who loves going to Lincoln, who loves chocolate chip cookie dough, and, <laughs> and who loves to relax. That's who you were made to be. You were, identi- Ooh. you were made to identify with those things and bring your giftings and callings doing that. That's who you were made to do, and that's your calling. See how easy that is? It's super easy. Thank you. See, too often we look around us and say, if I were only more like that person, if I could only do more of this, if I could only do more of that, but you were made to do the things that you like to do. You were made to bring the kingdom where you live, work, and play. You were made for that purpose. And too often we try and complicate it. Well, if I knew the scriptures better, if I knew how to preach, if I knew how to share the gospel with the lost and, and the hurting, then I would be a better Christian. Then I, could, then I could have a calling and I could do my calling. But the reality is, is you were made to be you where you are. That's how simple your calling is. And some of you would say, well, that sounds great, but I still don't understand what I was made to do. Do I like to teach or preach or do I like to lead a small group or do I like to, I don't know that. And that's why I'm actually excited about what Shiloh's doing with their growth track. So the whole thing is awesome and it's really pointing Shiloh in the same direction to put the whole church on mission together. This is where we're headed. But I'm extremely excited about growth track number two because growth track number two helps you find out what your DNA was made to do. So if you're not signed up for growth track, sign up for the whole thing. Don't just go to number two. But go to number two and super engage. They're going to ask you questions. You're like, why is this a hundred question test? I'm in church. But it's an awesome, awesome opportunity for you to learn who you are. See, there's a lot of people that try to do something they're not made to do. I tried to play the clarinet. I took several lessons, and it would have been better if someone just told me right off the bat, you, you, you can't play any musical instrument or sing. That would have saved a lot of money, time, heartache, but I tried <laughs> uh, to no good end. There are things that your DNA, your makeup, no matter how much you love them, I love worship. It's one of my favorite things in the whole world. I will never lead you in worship. I can't do it. I can love it all I want. I can want to do it all I want. That's not my DNA. But this is my DNA. I like standing here. This I can do. This I was made to do. You need to do what you were made to do every day that you're doing life. And that is your macro calling. You will always do that. It will always be you. It will always be there is your macro calling. So be you wherever you go. Your micro calling, however, gets more tricky and normally more painful, but excites me more. So if I'm not excited enough already, I'll try and excite myself some more. I'm preaching myself happy if no one else. Acts 8, 26 through 40. If you're taking notes, write it down. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't like to read, and it's very long. So we have um, the angel of the Lord shows up to Philip, an apostle, and says... Philip, I want you to get up right now 
and I want you to go to this city. But I don't want you to take the mathematical straight route to the city. What I want you to do is take the long, winding, hard, out-of-the-way desert route to the city. And Philip's like, great, sure, I'll do that. So Philip gets up right away, goes out on the city, or goes to the city, the long, winding, out-of-the-way way, and on that road he meets an Ethiopian who has a high position in the court, right below the queen of Ethiopia, and he is in his chariot, moving along. Now, this is the part of the calling where I personally would bow out. I'm like, I'm done. It says that Philip came up next to the chariot. Okay, now pause. Picture this for me. Chariot's moving. That means Philip has to run. I was done at that. I, I, I would have been out. <laughs> I'm done. But Philip comes up next to the chariot. Now, running's hard enough for me, but talking and running? Mm-mm. Wheezing and running? I can do that. And Philip says, here's in the, in the Ethiopian reading the scriptures in Isaiah, and he says, do you understand what, I, what you're reading? He says, no, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me? So Philip gets up in the chariot and explains it to him, and this Ethiopian who has a high position in the court is a man of influence and can lead many other people to Christ, gets saved and baptized. And this is the cool part. See, Philip was about his business. I just, this is like a side note, an extra from the sermon. Philip's about his business. God says, go over here. He goes over here, he ministers to this person. At the very end of this verse, it says, and Philip disappeared and went to a different city. And it's not like he just snuck away. It's like, no, he was there and he wasn't. I don't know how he does that, but if I could do that in life, I could have saved myself a lot of trouble. Uh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to practice. But this is the interesting part. The call of the Lord came to Philip. And he said yes, and he obeyed. But here's the thing, and this is where we often go wrong in our own life, is the call of God comes to us and it says, go do this. And we pick the straightest, easiest path to do it in. See, the call, excuse me, the call of God is not just about the call, but it's about the path to get there. God didn't say just go to this city. He said, take this road to that city. And oftentimes we hear God and we go, oh, I got it. I got it. I know how to get there. I know how to get there. Turn off the GPS. I'm on my way. But it's the pathway that's just as important. If Philip had gotten up and obeyed God, if you will, but took the wrong road, he would have never ran into the Ethiopian, never shared the gospel to him, and he would have never got saved. And here's the hard reality. When we miss our micro callings, people can go to hell. If Philip said, no, I'm not going, or said, yes, I'll go, but I'm going my way, this Ethiopian might have never been saved. And the blood of that Ethiopian would be on Philip's hands because he didn't obey the call of God on his life. That's a micro calling. Running beside a chariot is, I don't even want to think how hard that is. Maybe the horse like slowed down, tripped something. That's, that would have been me. I'd wait for that point. But we often if we grab a hold of the calling of God on our life in these mini moments, these micro callings to go do a new thing that's outside of what we normally do, we often are so excited and we grab them and then we do them our way. We're going to get there our way. And we miss out on the overall thing. Sometimes we pray, God, send us someone to share the gospel with. Send me someone to comfort. Send me somebody to do uh, what you want me to do with them. And then he sends you someone and you stop listening and you start just doing what you know how to do. 
which is great. You were made for a purpose. But a lot of times these micro callings take you just outside of what you know how to do. Because it's not you who does anything. It's Christ in you that does it. And he pulls you just outside of what you're good at to make sure that it's you, or not you, but him that's doing it. Whew, I'm happy. Hope you guys are happy. You're quiet. Terribly quiet. I, this never, I never understand this. The first service is way louder than the second service, but you guys all have way more time to sleep. I don't, you should be, it should be opposite. Um, all right. Another micro calling. This is a, this is a difficult one here. We're going to go to Acts 9, 10 through 14. And it says this. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The, call, the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on, the straight, on straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying and in a vision has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all, of, all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Now, Paul, this is the same, uh, Saul rather, is the same Saul that had watched Timothy die, gets stoned. He held the coats for the stoners. This is not a great guy. And Ananias goes, hey God, um, I know you're almighty and know everything, but uh, no, no, I don't think so. I don't think I want to do what you're called me to do. That's hard. It's hard. I mean, I am an apostle and I, and I preach the word of God and I lay hands on people and watch them receive sight and healing. And, but this guy kills Christians. I'm not going to do that. Like, God, you're a little loco. You want me to do what now? Luckily, that's not Ananias' response because then Saul comes under the teaching of Ananias and becomes one of the greatest disciples that we have in the New Testament, writing a majority of the New Testament. But we do this to God, don't we? He, he sends us somebody. There's somebody that knocks on your door. There's, there's a coworker at work that you should invite to Easter. Not like that. Uh, the video earlier. Um, there's, there's somebody in your life and God's on the threshold of your life saying, this is the person I'm calling you to. This is what I'm calling you to do. And we stand there and go, uh, nope. No, that's hard. It's hard to not watch my favorite TV show at night um, because you want me to have coffee with this stranger. It's hard to uh, not watch a baseball game um, because you know, I have to know who wins. I can't find out tomorrow on the radio. I have to see the whole thing in person. Um, if you don't know this about me, I don't like organized sports uh, because I like to win and lose myself. So there's a few sports that you play by yourself that I'm okay with. Competitive shooting is one because I'm the only one that can win or lose. And if I lose real bad, I still have the gun in my hand. Um, I'm never going to preach again. Okay. But we do this too often. We say it's too hard. There's too many things I want to do. I can't be bothered by you, God, interrupting me right now. I want to do things my way. 
and this is inconvenient. This call, this micro call on my life is inconvenient right now, God. So stand down. And we don't do the work we were created to do. We were created to bear his image everywhere we go. Where we live, work, and play, we were meant to carry the kingdom of God to people. And if we don't do it, who will? And if we don't do it, how many people will be lost? See, Steve has a totally different group of clients than I have, and he gets to rub shoulders with people that I'll never rub shoulders with, and he can share the gospel with people that I can never share the gospel with. And if he doesn't do his group and I don't do my group, how is the kingdom extended? Too often, as Christians, we're like, well, the call to share is that's the the preacher's job and the pastor's job and maybe the elder's job, not my job. Actually, if you read the Word of God, that's completely wrong. Pastors and elders are here to shepherd the church, and it's your job to extend the kingdom. See, Sunday mornings is not where your faith ends. It's where your faith begins. You should be coming here so then you can go live the Word of God the rest of the week. It's to push you forward to do what you're supposed to do. And I, there's three fingers pointing back at me, so don't get too defensive. I mean, I don't mind if you do, because I have Scripture on my side, so I win. But the reality is, guys, is we don't do the work we were created to do. You were called for a purpose. You have a calling. You have a great design. You are fearfully and wonderfully made just the way you are. You are perfect to do what God wants you to do that I can never do, that Steve can never do. You are perfect the way that you are made. Boy, I don't know who that was for, but I went off my notes like seven pages ago. Um, So I would say this, if that really resonated with your spirit, that was for you, because literally I went off my notes seven pages ago. So legitimately, you are perfect. You are made. If God's stirring and moving in your heart right now, and really pressing on you, and you're feeling uncomfortable, that's because you needed to hear this. You are made in his image. You are made to carry the mantle of Christ in you. From the very beginning of time, he made us to have fellowship with him. And too often we miss it because we don't think we're good enough. And we're not. But it's not I'm good enough and you're not. None of us are good enough, but Christ paid the price so that we could have fellowship with the creator of the universe, and too often we lose sight of that. And we forget who we were made to be, and that's his children, loved and adored by him and made for a reason. It gets quiet in here when I get serious. 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10 says this, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, who, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was laying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was laying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of, ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went 
and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord said, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go, lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I want to point out a few things in this verse. God's calling to Samuel and Samuel no, it's, it's familiar to him, right? Like, when I walk into my parents' house and they say, who's there? I say, it's me. I don't use my name. That's ridiculous. I don't talk in the third person. Um, but they know by my voice that it's me. So there's a familiarness to God's call to Samuel. He recognizes it's got to be somebody. I recognize this voice. It's familiar to me. So he runs to Eli, who is old and about to die, and says, hey, you called me. So God's call in your life is normally familiar to you. You actually hear it, but mistake it a lot. And a lot of times what we mistake it with is what the world says we should be doing. Because they're very familiar. The devil is a tricky, crafty guy, and he tries to pull us away from what God wants us to do all the time. But it's a familiar voice. But three times this young boy gets up and goes to Eli, who is a seasoned prophet of God, right? He's about to die. He's been a prophet for a long time. He knows God's voice. He knows God's call. Three times, Samuel goes to him. Finally, Eli gets smart and goes, hey, wait, if I'm not calling him, somebody else probably is. Hey, go listen for God. It's probably God speaking to you. And what I want to point out is even though Eli is old and it took three times, Samuel needed somebody to say, That's the voice of the Lord speaking to you. He needed people around him to recognize that, no, you're not Looney Tunes. God's trying to talk to you. Now, the the message that God wanted to share with him was quite sad because Eli is going to die because his sons are terrible and a bunch of other stuff. But Samuel needed someone to say, listen to God in your life. And often, we need people around us that will say, that's God speaking to you, or that's the world speaking to you. We need people that will recognize and help us recognize, yeah, I know that's a ludicrous idea, but I think that's God. Or no, that sounds like a great idea, but I don't think that's God. I think that's a waste of your time and not what you're gifted to do. But we need people in our lives that can help us identify the call of God. That's why today I want to wrap up my message with a call to small groups, or a small group challenge, rather. If you're not in a small group, you should be in a small group. Because this is where you can build a community that can actually share with you, no, you're loco, stop, or yes, you are hearing from God. This is where that happens. On a Sunday morning, I love all of you equally without prejudice, except for my wife and parents, Um, but who are over there? That's the, the greatness section is over there. And Paige sticking her tongue out at somebody. I don't know why. Um, 
that was weird. I love each and every one of you, but I can't tell you what you're good at or not. I don't know you from Adam. But your small group, you begin to build a community and a well-knitted community that knows each other. But in your small groups, you can also push each other to do better. So here's what happens in small groups sometimes, and this is why I labeled this small group challenge, is sometimes you come around and you kind of have, you know, finger foods, except for my small group, the best small group here. My wife cooks full meals every week for my small group. So I know some of you are like, we're going to that small group. Most of you in this room have aged out, I'm sorry. 18 to 35 is here. If you're older than that, I will bounce you. Uh, so I want the food to myself, okay? That's the reality of it. I'm a professional eater. Now, so we've covered my group, small group's the smallest, or the best small group. Your small group can challenge you. Your small group can push you to go places that you wouldn't normally go. They can be part of your community and support system to hear the calling of God in your life. If you're not in a small group and you don't have a community that pushes you to be more than you're being, you're not in a great place. See, the kingdom of God is not stagnant. Each day it pushes forward. Each day you're doing a new thing, another thing. And oftentimes we get stagnant and stand still, but your small group can help push you. No, Dave, stop not doing things. You need to get off your butt, Dave. Go on. Go do something. Not, he doesn't actually. He's an amazing man of God. But uh, I have to use people that I know that won't hurt me later. So this is what I want to challenge you with this week. I want you guys to ask in your small groups. Ask each other, do you struggle being you? Do you just have a problem being who God made you to be? You want to be somebody else. Sorry. You want to be somebody else because they're better. But God made you you. You need to be you. Ask that question in your small group. It's a great question. I struggled with it for a long time. Sometimes I still do. I want to be a nice skinny buff person, but too much work. Ask each other, what are you hearing from God? See, I don't, I don't know that God screams audibly to you every single day, but you should be hearing something like, move forward, do the next thing. What's next in front of you? Do that. God has a way of just kind of, whoop, come on, let's go, let's go. Time to move on. And oftentimes we're kind of resistant to that. Ooh, perfect illustration. My niece, who's cute, she brought me something that had fallen down. I was like, oh, thank you, but you're in a room you're not supposed to be in. Let's go. And she's like, no, I'm not going to go. I was like, no, no, let's go. Let's come on. Let's go. She's like, no, I'm not going to go. And then I was like, okay, no, time to go. What we don't want to get to is God having to shove us out of the room. (laughs) We don't want God to have to shove us into what we're supposed to do. But if you have friends around you that can help you hear it, you can go the first time where God wants you to go. That niece is stubborner than I am, which is weird. Sorry if you're listening, Boo. It's the truth. Boo Boo is my sister for anybody that... Uh, Have your small group ask those questions. What are you hearing from God? Have your small group maybe identify what you're called to do, who you are. Who are you? You know what? A lot of times other people can see your giftings better than you can see them because we're normally too busy trying to be somebody that we're not being. So engage your small group in being a better you. On that very somber note, because everybody here is very quiet. You make me uncomfortable when you're quiet. I don't know if it's good or bad. No one's laughing. I don't know what to do. So I'm going to pray. So Christians out anytime, pray. So that's what I'm going to do. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are good and you are God. 
Lord, we want to serve you and we don't want to miss anything that you have for us to do in life. Speak loudly to us this week as we go about living our lives that we would bring you where we live, work, and play. That we would be ourselves in who you made us to be in those places. Give us strength and wisdom each and every day to live out the purpose that you made us for individually. In Jesus' name, amen.